Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. Stretch your hands towards me as we pray over the service today. Father, I'm so grateful to you for what you did on the cross. Lord, we are here to study and affirm and bless and learn from what you did on the cross. And Lord, I believe that you're going to provide healing to us today because there is healing in the house of God today. Amen. I want to open up with a scripture that's the same scripture I've been opening up with. As we study the complete victory of the cross, Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And you will be dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. In other words, all your sin, all the sin that you've ever done, God has forgiven you. Now, does that excuse us from doing more sin? Absolutely not. We have to, we have to rein that in. We have to ask God for forgiveness of that. Amen. I cannot just look at my wife and say, I'm sorry for everything I've done in the future. It doesn't work that way, right? I have to say I'm sorry on a minute-by-minute basis. Some of you understand that. Having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made it a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Praise God, praise God. So today we're going to talk about, before we get to the final message, next week is the final message. We're going to get to that. But today we're going to talk about the final thing that he undid before he undid sin. And that is rejection. He undid rejection. Has anybody in this house ever dealt with rejection before? All of us probably have, right? We've all dealt with somebody looking at you and going, eh, I don't like you, or I don't want to be with you, or the obligatory, it's not you, it's me speech, right? Anybody ever gotten that speech before, like me, several times? (laughs) Hey, man, all the guys, yeah, that's me, Pastor, I got that speech all the time. I, sometimes girls would say that to me, and I would finish it for them, because I knew what they were going to say, right? And so, we've all been rejected, we've all had people look at us and say they don't want to be around us in life, and That hurts, doesn't it? People say don't take it personally, but it is personal. It is personal. They are saying, I don't want you. And man, that can really mess you up, can it? That can really cause some damage psychologically, socially, in your heart. A long time ago, back when I was younger and skinnier, which means a long time ago, I used to play basketball at the YMCA in Charlotte, North Carolina. I would go down there, and and that's back when I was, you know, could jump higher than two inches. I could jump three inches. It was awesome. And and I could dunk on the little kids. But there was times that I would play with the adults. And there was this guy there, and he was a bigger guy. He was probably about, uh, I I don't remember how tall he was, but he was about 6'5 or 6'6, maybe 6'7. And I remember going in for my patented layup move. 
And when I say patented, anyone I made this move on would start crying because it was so good. I would, I would dribble the ball, and I would, I would do kind of like Allen Iverson. Now, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but don't worry, I'm going to get there. I would dribble the ball, I'd go around them, and I would do a scoop layup, and it was just so pretty. It was just beautiful. People would look at me and say, that was so pretty. How could you do that? That was amazing. Maybe you should play in the NBA. They didn't actually say that, but it felt it that they were saying that, okay? And this guy was playing on the team, and like I said, he was about 6'5", 6'6", 8-foot, whatever. And I went to do this beautiful shot, and I was already congratulating myself that I was doing this beautiful shot. I was like, look at me, right? And this guy comes up, and he blocks the ball so hard that it went to the other court. And that was embarrassing. I found out his name. His name was David Thompson. Now, some of you don't know who David Thompson was. David Thompson was an amazing professional basketball player in the National Basketball Association. He used to play in Denver, and he, everybody, he was a rising star until he had to get out. He got injured. He had to get out of the NBA. But this man rejected my shot, and I was hurt. And I looked at him, and I said, that hurt my feelings. And he said, don't bring that stuff into my house anymore. <laughs> He said, get that out of here. But I I felt kind of better afterwards because an NBA player blocked my shot. And then a few weeks later, I went, and there was these girls playing. And I said, well, surely I can play against the girls. Stay with me, ladies. Stay with me. Don't get mad at me. All right? Surely I can play against the girls. So I did my patent move. I go up for a layup, and it was beautiful. And I was going to say, in your face. And this girl blocked the shot again. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I said, I can't believe you blocked my shot. And you know what she said? She goes, don't bring that stuff in my house. Couldn't find out she played for the WNBA. (laughs) I changed YMCA locations at that point. You know why? Because I did not literally like being rejected, right? And now that I've gotten older and I play, I'm just used to being rejected and used to being showed up on the basketball court. Skylar was talking to me about how he goes to play basketball. I said, Skylar, maybe I can come with you. He changed the subject. And I said it again, Skylar, maybe I could come with you. And he goes, so anyway, Pastor, I want to talk to you about this. He changed the subject again. I got the hint, Skylar, okay? I got the hint, brother. I even mentioned, he even mentioned volleyball. He changed the subject. <laughs> Skyler rejected my presence in his life. I'm not mad at you. It hurts a little bit, though, right? I'm just joking with Skyler. He loves me, and I love him, I think. I'm not sure. But it hurts. It hurts being rejected, doesn't it? Somebody looking at you and say, and, and, and just because you get married doesn't mean that you still don't deal with rejections. There's sometimes friends who reject you. People you've known your whole life reject you. Sometimes there's family that rejects you. Does anybody else have family that are not talking to them? It's okay to raise your hand. Nobody sees you but me, right? I, your family's not going to see you. I'll point you out. No, I'm just kidding. I got family that is not talking to me because, well, to be honest with you, I don't even know why. You know, and my wife's got family that doesn't talk to her. That's because of me, because I brought her up here. But we got family who don't talk to us, and that hurts really bad, right? Because they have rejected us. And rejection, when somebody rejects you, it becomes personal, doesn't it? I mentioned that earlier. It just, and and sometimes people say, well, I don't mean to make it personal, but let's be honest, it is. 
It's very personal because if it wasn't personal, they can live to learn with it or live to deal with it, right? You know, I, lived to, I said live to learn with it. I guess that actually applies too. But they can learn to deal with your little weirdness, right? My wife has dealt with my weirdness for 22 years. I met her 22 years ago, I think this month, right? I got that right. That's good. I, I met her and six weeks later, I asked her to marry me. And she's, she's put up with that weirdness for that long. People look at her and says, we're praying for you, right? Because it, she goes through a lot to deal with me. But she, has a, she understands my little nuances and my weirdness, and she's willing to deal with me. But there's some people who don't want to deal with your weirdness, and it's really not weird, but they just, they're not patient. And, and, and that hurts, doesn't it? When people reject you, sometimes people, they just go out the door, and man, they burn that bridge, don't they? They look at you and say, I don't like you, I hate you, I don't want to be around you. And then what's worse, they tell everybody that will listen how terrible a person you are, don't they? Anybody will listen. They'll get on Facebook, I hate Keith Green. Why? Because I hate him too. <laughs> it's just ridiculous with social media, what it's done to us, isn't it? And, and, and it gets to the point, there are people, because of the rejection that we face on a daily basis, the rejection that we deal with, people are becoming more and more isolated emotionally. They're becoming more and more distant. They're becoming more and more emotionally unavailable because nobody likes to deal with someone that doesn't like you. Nobody likes to, I mean, I look at me and say, how could you not like me? I look in the mirror every day and say, praise God for me. <laughs> right? Do you do that? Pastor, that's being arrogant. No, I just know what God did. <laughs> Amen. This is perfection. I'm obviously joking when I say that, but maybe we need a healthy dose of confidence in our lives. But we don't have that because people are looking at us to say, I don't want to be around you anymore. Then they tell other people how bad you are. And it just gets into this tank. And we live in a small town, don't we? Because we, we always hear what people say about us. I want to go ahead and tell you, if you say something negative about me, I assure you I will hear it. That's just the kind of town we live in, right? And if I say something negative about you, I am sure that you're going to hear it, amen? That's just the way it is. And so when you deal in a small town like this, we tend to cut ourselves off emotionally. We don't want people to see who we really are because we don't want people to know that about us, and we don't want them to reject us. Those of you who have lived through divorce, that's the ultimate rejection. The ultimate rejection because you've been married and after a while somebody says, I don't want to be with you anymore. And that hurt goes deep. Or maybe, maybe a mother and a father has looked at you and, and given you away says, I don't want you around in my life anymore. Can you imagine a mother and a father saying that, but yet they do it every day? They do it every day. And mothers and fathers look at their kids and say, I don't want you to be around anymore. You're messing up my life. I want you to go live with your grandparents. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, if my, if my kids ever say that to my kids, first of all, I'm going to beat them, and then I'm going to take their kids from them, because I want my grandkids to be loved, amen? I want my kids to be loved. I want my family to be loved. I want the kids in this church to be loved, amen? <laughs> the biggest thing I see in dealing with youth, because we do, we do youth services, and by the way, if you're not bringing to youth to youth services, you need to. So on Friday night, I, need, I, I want to encourage you to come. We're going to be making some changes during the month of December, but I want you to come. But what I hear from the kids over and over again is that my parents don't love me. 
And they truly, truly believe that, that their parents don't love them. I remember one time my wife and I were doing a, a children's program. I started out in children's ministry. That's where I first started doing ministry. And we were asking kids, if you want to know what kids think, ask them. And so we asked this kid, you know, what are your prayer requests? This was down in, I think it was Georgia, right? We asked this kid, says, what, are you, what prayer requests do you have? And he raised up in his hand and says, my mom doesn't like me. She doesn't even feed me. And little tears were coming down his eyes. And he said, she likes to be with her boyfriend instead of me. She doesn't even know who I am. Now, his mom probably had no clue, but can you imagine a child feeling that way? Some of you have actually gone through that rejection. Some of you have dealt with parents who are unattentive or, or dealt with family members or spouses who were unattentive. And I want you to understand this morning. I want you to hear me with all my heart that Jesus went through rejection just like you did, and he overcame that rejection so that we don't have to feel rejected. Yes, the Bible says in Psalms 27.10, though my mother and my father disown me, yet you will embrace me. And I'm paraphrasing there because I want you to understand it doesn't matter what people do to you. God will never reject you. God will never turn you away. God will never look at you like you're something distasteful or disgusting. God looks at you as something of value. God looks at you. As a matter of fact, he bankrupted all of heaven just for you. Our people are going through a crisis of identity because they don't know who loves them. They don't even know what love is. And the Bible is really just trying to show you that this is how much Jesus loved you. This is how much he cared about you. Yeah, people are going to be stupid. They're going to do wrong things, and they're going to hurt your feelings. But man, the Lord is ready to step in and fill that void in your life. He's ready to take that from you. He's ready to be the God that you need him to be. I've gone through so much rejection in my life. And I remember I was in this relationship, and this girl decided she didn't want to be with me anymore. She goes, I just don't like you. You're not what I'm looking for. I mean, she was pretty blunt about it. I didn't think she needed to be that blunt. But she was pretty blunt. She goes, oh, by the way, I'm dating somebody else already. <laughs> so, you know, that's pretty rough. And I remember at that moment, God brought Jenny into my life. And the first thing I said to her was, I'm not interested in dating anybody. <laughs> because I was hurt. And I was angry. And she begged me to date her. She's like, Keith, I understand what you're going through, but please, please date me. I just want to be by your side and hold your hand. And she even sang that song from the Beatles, I want to hold your hand, which I thought was kind of weird. And our second day, she wore a wedding dress. We're like, oh, hold on, hold on. Let's wait. Okay, none of that's true. <laughs> I looked at her and I ran away because I thought, oh man, this, this woman is something special. And you know what, brothers and sisters, you know what, that's what you do? Because you're dealing with so much hurt and so much pain and so much trauma in your life that when God presents to you what he has from you, you run away from it. Because you don't want to be hurt again. Now, has our marriage been perfect? No. When I finally got in line and listened to her, it got better. 
Amen? I'm not saying I'm not the boss of the house, but I am saying that. And it literally just worked out better, didn't it? <laughs> PJ, you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> but when I started accepting what God had for me, when I realized that God was giving me something special, and because of our love, we, we now have two amazing kids. I listen to my son on the drums, and sure, he beats them so hard, I can actually feel my heartbeat. <laughs> but he does it because he has joy for the Lord, Amen. And he's leaving in January, and I, man, I'm going to miss him. I really am. I'm not crying. And then my daughter is going to leave one day for college and marry some ugly boy. But my life is better because of me accepting what God has given me. And through all of our trials, all of our heartache, she has never left my side. She has never looked at me and says, I don't want to be with you anymore. You know what she's always done? Whenever I've gone through hurt, whenever I've gone through tragedy, whenever I've lost jobs, she would pull herself closer to me and says, I'm with you more and more every day. And that when God gives you something, it is always test goes through the test of time. It goes through the trials of time. It doesn't mean that there's going to not be heartache. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be pain. But God is with you every day and he gets you through it. Amen. He gets you through it. I have, I, have, I have people who come to me and, and they want to try to tell me that, that uh, only good things are going to happen because they did this, this, and this. And listen, none of that's scriptural, okay? That's the prosperity gospel. and It's not scriptural. You're going to have pain in your life, okay? You're going to have more rejection. But I want to tell you that God died so that he can free you from that feeling of rejection, okay? He, and, and there's going to be a day when there's no more tears, amen? We're going to be in heaven. There's going to be... Anybody else tired of crying yourself to sleep sometimes? Or maybe that's just me. I, I, I'm looking forward to being no tears in heaven. And every time I get sad, the Lord is going to remind me of where I'm at, amen? He's going to remind me that I'm walking on the streets of gold, that I'm in a mansion... And I got a big house, and the devil can't come near me because I, the Lord never rejected me like everybody else has. The Lord accepted me, all of my flaws. The Lord, the Lord never looked at me and says, you know, Keith, you're fat. I don't like you. Right. The Lord says, I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to help you fix some things in your life. And then he said, and you can have all the fry bread that you want. Praise God. And candy. You can have all the candy you want to. <laughs> I'm not going to tell Skylar that you gave me some candy this morning to my wife. She's not going to know about that, okay? Praise God. I may have just mentioned it. Listen, when God gives you something, it's for real. It's tangible. And when you go through something, he does more than heal you. He walks beside you. I don't regret any of the stuff that I've been through because not only has God been with me, but my wife has been with me. We've locked arm in arm and we did it together. And I, I looked at my wife, we were going through a trial just recently and I looked at her and says, I would not want to go through this with anyone but you. Her, her, because I know she's got my back and I got her back, right? That's the way it should be, right? Yeah. But... That's only a small part of what God does for us. That's only a small part because God's not only got your back, he's got your front, he's got your side, he's got your top, he's got your bottom, he's got you all covered, amen? He's got you all covered. 
Praise God. Praise God. I want you to understand, we have a great God. We have a great God. Isaiah 45, we have a great God. Now, how does Jesus know what we feel like with our rejection? Says this in Isaiah chapter 53, 3. He is despised and rejected by men. See, he wasn't just rejected. He was despised. You ever had anybody who just can't stand the look of you? I've been there. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I want to say this to, to anybody who believes in the prosperity gospel. This is where I can prove that your gospel is wrong. Because Jesus was a man of sorrows. Jesus was a man of sorrows. Jesus was well acquainted with grief. That is a natural thing that we have to go through to experience the glory of who he is. We can't be at a high all of the time. There's going to be lows. There's going to be highs. There's going to be mids. Amen. Life is not a bowl full of cherry ice cream. Amen. Everybody like cherry ice cream besides me? Rocky Road? Anybody like pistachio ice cream? Seriously? Pistachio ice cream? We need to pray for you right now. I like pistachio ice cream. I also like cheesecake, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Praise God. (laughs) He's been there. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Jesus went through rejection three different ways. First of all, he was rejected by those who knew who he was. I think that hurts worst of all. When somebody who knows you, they know who you are, and they go and spread a bunch of rumors about you that are not true. They go say a bunch of things that are not even remotely true, but they twist it to their their specifications. They twist it to however they want it to be. They, 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 they do it, they demonize you, so to speak, to make themselves feel better. Listen, the worst of them as Christians are claimed to be. Jesus was rejected by the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. But don't think for a moment they didn't know who he was. They knew he was the son of God. John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He was on the Sanhedrin. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. They knew he was the son of God. They knew he was the son of God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God was with him. They knew he was the son of God. They knew he was the promised Messiah. They knew who he was. But the thing is, Jesus interrupted their idea of what things should be. He did not fit in with their plan. One of the hardest things I have to do as a pastor, one of the hardest things I have to do is tell the truth to people. Because you know, people don't like the truth. They want to hear good things. 
And, and I'm not, I don't enjoy that. I don't enjoy not saying good things. I want to say good things. I want to say, you know, rah, rah, you can do it. But sometimes I have to say things that kind of cut to the quick. And people don't like that. Do you know why? Because they have an image and a plan of how life should be, and they don't want that to be interrupted. They have an idea of how things should be because that's what they've always known and they're not willing to unlearn that and learn what God really has for them. Can we come to the understanding and the realization that maybe some things that we've been taught in our lives are not what God has for us? Come on now. Come on. Sometimes we, we, we listen to things that we heard as a child that we think are gospel, and they're not gospel at all. Some people think that certain things that they've heard, certain sayings that they've had are found in the Bible, and it's not even found in the Bible. Some people trust people on various programs thinking that they're telling them what the truth is, and the truth is it's not true. We don't get into the word. And so we, we, people get upset when you share with them the truth. And that's what Jesus did with the Pharisees. They got mad because they didn't want to hear the truth. They had a, a plan. They were being esteemed. People were, were complimenting them. Oh, you're such a wonderful Pharisee. Oh, we love you. They love the praises of men. And there are people out there in your life today that love the praise of men versus the truth of God. And when you present to them the truth of God and who God is, they're going to reject you just like they did Jesus. They're not going to like it. And this may be somebody that you've known for a long time. This may be a friend. This may be a family member. It'll be somebody. But it hurts when that happens. But Jesus went through that. He went through that rejection for us. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 11, verses 49 and 50, one of them, Caiaphas, he was the head guy, being high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, talking to the Sanhedrin, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not the whole nation should perish. In other words, they knew they were going to kill Jesus. And make no mistake out there, there is someone out there ready to kill your character. There's someone out there ready to put you under, someone out there ready to ruin you because of what you believe. But Jesus died for that. I mean, the second thing that he went through, he was rejected by those who came to save the Jews. He was rejected by those that he came to save. He came for the Jewish people and ultimately the Gentiles. He was rejected by them. Remember that when he went into Jerusalem, everybody was laying down the palms. They were laying them down and they were saying, hey, we're so happy you're here. Uh, Hosanna, Hosanna. But not even three or four days later, they're all shouting in the streets, crucify him, crucify him. This was, it says in uh, Mark chapter verse, uh, 15, verse 12, it says, Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him who you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him! Jesus did nothing but help. Jesus did nothing but heal. Jesus poured himself out. Jesus gave, and he gave, and he gave, and the same people he gave to, they turned around and said, crucify him. And that's exactly what happens to us. Some of you are weary and well-doing because you've helped people, only have them to turn around and bite you, turn around and talk about you, turn around and murder you. But I'm telling you today, the blood be upon them and their children, just like it was the Jews. God is ready to deliver you from your rejection today and understand that he has not rejected you because he went through it. Amen. Do not let, do not let what somebody has said about you define you. 
Do not let what people think about you define you. What defines you is your relationship with Jesus. I would much rather have Jesus approve of me. I would much rather have Jesus accept me than anybody in the world. And for some reason in churches, it happens more and more. We feel rejected because of something somebody said to us. People, man, people can hurt, can't they? Words can hurt. We got our mind, we got our eyes, though, on the wrong thing. We got our eyes and our mind on the wrong thing. We need to keep our mind and our eyes on Jesus. If somebody looks and says, I don't like you, then our response should be, but I love you. Amen? If something the pastor says hurts your feelings, go talk about them to everybody. No, that's not what we do. Right? Well, that's what, well, that's what we do, but that's not what we should do. What I want you to do instead is come to me and let's talk about it. Amen? The Bible says if you have... Okay, I'm going to be real clear about this. The Bible says... If you have hurt or offense in your heart, you're supposed to go to that person and work it out. And if you don't, God's judgment is upon you, not that person. Well, I'm not ready. You better get ready. Because the Bible talks about our sin in Matthew chapter 6. Our sin is not forgiven unless we forgive those who hurt us. We forgive those who have debted against us, people who have offended us. Offense is a big thing. We need to forgive people, amen? We need to forgive people who have hurt us. We need to let that go, amen? Let it go. Now, don't think that I don't understand what it feels like to be hurt, because I do. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to explain it. I just want you to know I understand. But it's time the people of God look past the faults of others and look to God. People may reject you, and they're going to reject you. People close to you, people that you've built relationships with you are going to reject you. But God never rejected you. Finally, he was rejected by the world. John chapter 15, verse 18, says this. Please hear me when I say this. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. I want to say that again as we start some music. If the world hates you, then know that it hated me. Can, can, I, can I go a little deeper on this? There's a trend in churches that once, once the, the church, for people to come in from the world to like us, we want you to like us. And so for, to get you to like us, we're going to compromise what we teach. We're going to compromise what we say. We're going to say, hey, you're living together? Don't worry about it. Just pay your tithe. 
Oh, oh you're, or you're, you're drinking? Oh, or you're, you're, you're living in sin? It's okay. Because churches are more concerned about filling the seats than they are filling heaven. I'm going to tell you straight up. I want you to come to church, but whether you like me or not is not really an option. I like being liked. I do. Man, I love having friends. I do. You come out to you shake my hand. Man, we're buddies, right? I love being liked. I love, I love looking at you in church. You're looking at me. We laugh at each other and we joke with each other. I love cutting up with you. But I'm not here to necessarily be your friend. I'm here to give you the truth. And the truth sometimes hurts because that part of the world in you doesn't like what I'm saying. Oh, yes, Christians can have the world in them. Did you know that? Sometimes the world disguises itself because it's pride or legalism or haughtiness, but it's still the world nonetheless. People are not going to like you because they're rejecting you because of what you stand for. But know this. If somebody rejects you, even though they may claim they go to church and worship God and raise their hands, if they reject you and they're not living their life, they didn't just reject you. They rejected God. Listen, just because someone comes to church and raises their hand and makes a big deal about putting offering in their plate doesn't mean they're going to heaven. Going to heaven is about relationship. Going to heaven is about relationship. Wait a minute, Pastor. The Bible says all you have to do is believe. Listen, believe there is a little bit deeper. It means that you're wholeheartedly into it, that you're giving the Lord your all, that, that you're, you're all in. If, if I just believe in my wife, I still got to live with her, right? Otherwise, it could cause problems. I, I'm all in with my wife. We, we share a house together. We, we share everything together. What's mine is hers. And what's hers is hers. Excuse me, I got that wrong. What's mine is my daughter's now. But I'm all in with my wife. See, if you believe in Jesus, that means you're all in. And people are not going to like that because they still want to go do their thing in the world. They still want to go have fun. They want to go party. They want to go to the bars. They want to go drink. They want to, they want to go out and live a life that's not pleasing to God. And they want to step back into church and say, God, why am I not blessed? I don't know. Maybe look at your life. We need holiness in the church, don't we? We need holiness. You know what holiness is? It means a purity. And people are going to reject purity because they don't like it. You know why the bars are dark? The bars are dark because people like their sin to be hidden. You turn on the lights in the bar, I guarantee you that bar will be broke the next day. We need purity in the house of God, don't we? We need God to deliver us from rejection. More and more each day, our beliefs are being marginalized. More and more each day, we're encroaching upon the point that our beliefs are actually going to be criminalized. The world hates us and what we stand for. If the world celebrates a church, 
that is no longer a church. It's an extension of the world. I want the world to hate us because of what we stand for. But our response to rejection is this. We have to forgive. Last verse. Jesus said, he was on the cross when he said this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Man, can you imagine that as you stand with me, please? Can you imagine that? He's literally, he's literally on the cross, people mocking him. People mocking him and saying, hey, get off the cross. You're supposed to be the son of God. People mocking him, making fun of him. They're taking his garments and they're, they're, they're separating them. They're, 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 he's sitting there and he's nude and he's dealing with all this pain, pain that was caused by other people. And in that moment, he looks at them. He looks to the father and he says, Father, forgive them. Man, we could use some forgiveness in the house of God today, couldn't we? We got way too many people holding on to stuff that they don't need to be holding on to, don't we? We need forgiveness in the house of God. So, you've heard this before. Forgiveness or unforgiveness only hurts you. Unforgiveness only hurts you. Is there somebody in your life today you need to forgive? Maybe it's me. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's God. Now, why do I say that? God is holy. He is, but we can still have an offense with God. We can still be offended by him. Jesus knew that when he told the disciples about the coin. He says, let's give our tax lest they be offended with us. We can be offended at God because we blame him for things that have happened in our life. And we need to let that go. Are we ready to let that go? We talk about revival. Man, I don't know of any other way to have revival in a church but to be repentant. Repentant. We're about to close our eyes for you, so I'm going to do one thing. listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.